Hello, this is your Polycast for Monday, May 11th, your daily check-in on Minnesota politics. I'm Mike Mulcahy with NPR News. On today's edition, it's the last week of the legislative session, sort of, and Minneapolis school leaders consider a plan to shuffle school boundaries. This is the last full week of the legislature's 2020 session. In any other year, it would be filled with late nights and lots of political jockeying. But COVID-19 has upended the agenda and has sparked talk of a summer special session. Our Brian Bax talked to Kathy Werzer about it this morning. Nearly every lawmaker I talk to, Kathy, expects to be back in St. Paul in some fashion this summer, perhaps on a rolling or extended basis. They've got to begin repairing the state budget. They have to plow more money into that coronavirus response fund. They could be summoned back to weigh in on the peacetime emergency declaration if Governor Tim Walz lengthens that deeper into summer. And let's be clear, campaigning is going to be different this year anyway. More is being done offline, and there will be no doubt fewer parades to march in. Mm -hmm. Will the pressure valve be released then some as a result? That's a safe bet. It's just harder these days to construct legislation without face-to-face hearings. And with each vote taking longer, there's less room for floor amendments. To be frank, a lot of the roadblocks are being cleared before bills reach the House and Senate floors. Lawmakers will be meeting pretty much every day this week, but it won't have the same race to the finish feel to it. What about the big, the looming budget deficit? How might that play into the mix? It's a big factor. Bills that aren't related to the coronavirus fight aren't coming up if they involve new spending. Expect more money to go into a COVID-19 response fund, some of which can be offset with federal aid. Republican Representative Pat Garofalo says there's bipartisan agreement on that. We're going to appropriate additional money to this fund. This is not a battle. This is a war. So additional money will be going into this fund. It's just it's a necessity. But lawmakers in both parties say they'll have to start tackling the projected $2.4 billion budget deficit sooner than later. Waiting until the legislature reconvenes in January would only compress the problem, which could be even worse by then. Uh, There's state employee contracts that need legislative ratification. They'll be a flashpoint because Republicans in particular want them to be reworked to take out raises. They're up in the House today. What about the executive actions taken by the governor? Uh, How might they affect what lawmakers do this week? There's no question it's the backdrop for negotiations. Republicans who are in the Senate majority, having been increasingly vocal in opposition to the wall's moves to restrict retail operations and keep restaurants closed to all but takeout, May 18th is when the stay-at-home and restaurant orders are up. But Walls must decide by this Wednesday if he'll stretch out the peacetime emergency declaration that's been used to justify these other actions. He hinted that it will be continued for up to a month more. Uh, The business community has been pushing to delay a May 15th property tax payment to the state. A bill for that got through the Senate, and you could see some potential trading there. Uh, Lawmakers hold the cards when it comes to another deadline. After today, Walls won't have the power to direct spending from a COVID-19 fund. Uh, The Democratic House is primed to give more time, but it could be a bargaining chip in the Senate. Uh, Wall says he's well aware it's a two-way street. We've been seeing if they would just move the the expiration date from the 11th, but I think it was a great tool that they came up with. It's one that we've uh, we've agreed on, worked together, and been successful, and I would just hope they could find a compromise by Monday um, to continue that on. So what's the outlook for the bonding bill this session? Another bargaining chip. This is the rare bill that takes supermajorities to pass, meaning the minority caucuses have power to dictate its fate. House Republicans insist they won't let a bill pass while Walls has his peacetime emergency invoked. The Senate GOP says it will work to pass one, but this could be ripe for a special session once the waters settle. Okay. Finally, is there anything else of note you're watching? 
An election bill that makes accommodations for virus spread concerns is on its way to walls. The House passed it over the weekend. Uh, Lawmakers were told that they had until Saturday night to fashion frameworks of other deals. But much of those talks have been in private and involve very few lawmakers and lobbyists. You know, transparency has been harder to come by, so we really don't know what else will make it. Brian Bax talking to Kathy Werzer. And the Minnesota House passed a bill Saturday that raises the age to buy tobacco products from 18 to 21. That's been the federal law since last December, but backers of the state bill say it's needed for compliance and enforcement. The Minneapolis School Board is set to vote tomorrow on a proposal that would force nearly a sixth of students in the district to attend different schools. District officials say the plan would help close the achievement gap between students of color and white students, but many families say the possible changes are adding to already high levels of anxiety during the pandemic. Reham Fashir has more. When Tanya Ramirez first moved to Minnesota from Puerto Rico, her three sons were in elementary school. When they got to school um, and they were, you know, bullied, they were made fun of. And two of them completely stopped speaking Spanish. And one of them actually denied that he was Puerto Rican. Ramirez and her family didn't want that same experience for their grandson. It's why they enrolled him at Wyndham a dual-language immersion school where the preschooler can speak English and Spanish and be proud of his identity. Emerson is almost fully bilingual now. With his dad by his side, he lists off words in Spanish, then English, in a video he recorded for his teacher. But under the comprehensive district design, which is known as the CDD, Wyndham would no longer exist as he knows it today. Minneapolis school officials are proposing to centralize magnet programs like dual immersion, arts, and technology. They want to create racially integrated neighborhood elementary schools in their place, and they say boundary changes are only one part of a complete overhaul to the system that would shift funding from busing to educational programs. Critics, however, say the plan dismisses complaints from parents of students of color who say being able to choose where to send their kids has helped them thrive. Welcome, everybody, to the forum and really look forward to... Community members called their own virtual meeting recently to air their concerns. Civil rights activist Nakima Levy-Armstrong said the district has not engaged the community to come up with a plan that addresses things like the digital divide and language performance. They feel that if there's a certain percentage of white kids in the class, certain percentage of black kids, Latinx kids, uh, Somali kids in the class, that that's automatically going to close the gaps in education. Mm. That makes no sense whatsoever if you're not dealing with outdated and racist curriculum. But district officials say they are listening, and it's why they're moving forward with the plan. Minnesota has some of the largest achievement gaps in the country. Students of color and low-income students generally experience worse outcomes than their white peers. Eric Moore is in charge of equity for Minneapolis Public Schools. He says the district has been talking to the community about these gaps since at least 2017. Families have been sharing concerns about school climate, academic rigor, and safety. Moore says there are 11,000 elementary students that could attend Minneapolis schools, but don't. We have to be able to address the decline in enrollment. I, I believe that it's imperative that, that we really uh, start to act and address the, the, these challenges. The CDD plan would be implemented by fall of 2021 and cost $11.5 million in the first year. 
Under the plan, the number of racially isolated schools goes from 21 to 8 schools. Amy Gustafson serves on the parent-teacher organization of Wyndham School. She and a number of other parents have been asking the district to delay the vote, given that families are already busy dealing with distance learning during the pandemic. So doing a major reorganization on top of the disruption that we still don't even understand from a global pandemic makes no sense. Other parents say reform can't wait. They say disruption is necessary to better serve students from low-income neighborhoods. Heather Anderson is a mother of two African-American children who attend Justice Page Middle School in southwest Minneapolis. She says her kids might get moved, they might not, it's not clear from the plan, but she hopes changes will benefit Black students. You can't change a really racist system without disrupting some boundary lines and without disrupting some of the things that happen. The Minneapolis School Board is set to vote on the plan tomorrow night. Reham Fashir, NPR News. And that's your polycast for this Monday, your daily check-in on Minnesota politics. I'm Mike Mulcahy with NPR News.